Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this programme, I'm joined by a different CEO, CFO, COO, or perhaps director, secretary, chairman, or even president to truly discover who those people are that get up every single morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from leading a team to being on the front line of the fight against COVID-19 and, of course, the success and innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Now, as we continue to reel over the fact that we've now been living under some form of social restrictions in the UK for just over a year, but we'll look to the future with some cautious optimism, having moved into step two of the government's roadmap to freedom, my guest on today's show is Jim Gildy, response team leader and director of Total Trauma Cleaning. The company originally started out as Waste Management Business Rubbish Clearance and Waste Removal Limited, but successfully diversified into providing specialist waste clearance and cleaning under several trading names, a 24-7 operation that has evolved into providing responsive specialist services day or night to local government, commercial and industrial clients, and private customers. Jim, very warm welcome to you today, and thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you. And uh, thank you again for letting me on the show this uh, second time. Yes, it's certainly not the first time um, you joined us on the programme, Jim. And whenever I do have guests on the show of late, I do always like to kick things off by asking how the global pandemic has generally affected things. Now, in your case, you've pretty much been involved with this since it first began in the UK, even before the lockdown, haven't you? It was 13th of February, I believe, that you'd come yeah. off your holiday at Heathrow and you got a call to deal with the first perspective COVID clear up in the UK. Well, it was, um, it was it was certainly the first COVID clearance that I'd been tasked um, on that February 13th and I was just arriving back uh, from my yearly holiday and I was coming out of the terminal at Heathrow when I got the first call and within three hours of landing, I was at a health centre in Northern Hampshire attended to a COVID, suspected COVID-19 contamination incident. Um, shortly thereafter, I mean, throughout February, the workload escalated, including what was deemed to be all, I think, on the BBC, patient zero at Hazelmoor Health Centre. Mm. And I believe that's where the first patient that died from COVID-19 in the UK, um, I think that's where that originated from. And, yeah, throughout the year. And you've also featured on BBC Local and National News showcasing some of your work during the pandemic, haven't you? Um, I believe in late March um, you took part in a BBC expose with uh, Duncan Kennedy. That's right, isn't it? Um, I, I took part in BBC, in local area, uh, Southern BBC with Nikki Mitchell. Mm. Um, she'd done a piece on basically fogging and uh, disinfecting care homes, etc. And again with Duncan Kennedy on BBC National News. And indeed, I think that was syndicated to um, Global News in America. Um, we've, seen, we've seen some of the syndication material come back. And uh, so that's been great exposure for us and my company and what we do and how we do it. And that's, uh, we've had a lot of interest all the way through. 
And something as well that came up during that global news report in News in California was the fact that your business was working more than ever before in hospitals, nursing homes and local government buildings to try and reduce the likelihood of COVID-19 spreading. And it came up then that you were working sometimes up to 17 hours a day just to keep on top of demand. It's an incredible amount of work, isn't it? It was very difficult to manage, Scott. At the time, at the time we were stretched really to our limit and this was in care homes, this was reacting to different medical facilities, to local government buildings, to probably run care homes, to state run care homes. And basically we've gone all over the south of England from uh, London, Devon, Wiltshire, Hampshire, Surrey, Essex even. Uh, it was really, really difficult to keep up with the flow of work. We, you know, nothing we'd ever encountered before, nothing we were ready for um, or expected to happen in our lifetime. It was just something we didn't see coming. But then again, at the same time, we were equipped correctly. We were trained correctly. We worked on a private basis, as stated. We also worked as a response team for Ultimate Environmental, who had t- approximately 200-plus teams out nationally with... Um, Ben Giles being the managing director and Mark Baxter, the national operations manager. We had excellent oversight, excellent tasking, excellent communication. And so even myself and my small team, were, we managed to make a difference, I feel, and be very effective and safe all the way through. So, yeah, it was an unprecedented workload. And, it, you know, there's nothing to say that that won't continue at some point in the future. We're hoping it won't. But of course, if it, if it does, we've had the last year's experience to go by and we've learned a lot. We've learned how to work effectively with that pace and that amount of work. Um, but yes, it is very, very challenging. And of course, during this time, 75% of your business's work has been dedicated to COVID-19 response. And um, has that sort of diverted attention um, away from other areas of the business, would you say? Or is that something that's been quite easy to manage? Well, in some ways, it's been quite easy to sideline um, the other parts of the business because no one's been operating. Um, you know, people and businesses haven't been able to do non-essential work. So, you know, that's just putting the stuff um, that should go on hold on hold. And really, you know, it had to be that way anyway for us and for many other companies. And but for my company in particular, where we diversify, where primarily started out a waste removal company then we went into the cleaning side and the specialist cleaning specialist removals that um to enable us to go to locations and instead of having six or seven contractors in just by us being there we could could take care of uh everything that needed doing on the site yeah um Mm. that's basically led us to be in a position where we've kept going all the way through the pandemic and now we're coming out of lockdown those areas of the business are coming back in. But we've got to say to an extent, um, we're not taking on the amount of non-specialist work that we used to. And I understand as well, Jim, with regards to contracts, that you do have an agreement to supply Southern Health NHS Foundation Trust with specialist cleaning services throughout Hampshire and surrounding areas, don't you? How has that work been getting on? That's going absolutely fine. Well, we were invited um, to become service suppliers for the NHS Foundation Trust uh, shortly before Christmas, around about November. And since then, we've supplied rapid response services for specialist cleaning um, in different areas of specialist cleaning, not just COVID-19 taskings. Um, 
throughout the NHS locations in Hampshire as and when required. And uh, yeah, that's been going fine and is ongoing. That's really good to hear. And just going back to something that we touched on very briefly earlier, um, you mentioned that in carrying out all of this response work, it was integral to make sure that everybody on your team was properly trained. Have you had to undergo additional training and set time aside for extra training hours to accommodate that? Well, to accommodate that, basically, um, I've taken it upon myself to undergo World Health Organization training additionally. Now, that has been online training from their open learning websites where they provide many courses, um, reference COVID-19, COVID-19 response, and health sector um, cleaning, waste management, and all the protocols necessary for dealing with COVID-19 response in um, a national level, in a hands-on um, level and a, on a national crisis response level. So that's that's been very good. And said, um, I've gone through their course matter for COVID-19 response. And then after doing so, I've instructed my team to, and we've all basically gone through all the WHO learning material available at that time. In addition to that, you know, it's just sourcing peer-reviewed um, peer-reviewed papers on the subject that perhaps give us an insight into different areas that some people don't think of. For example, um, the actual component of the sanitizer we use, the actual chemical component is widely used, and it's uh, benzalkonium chloride. Mm. Now, I've read a few research papers into long-term exposure of benzalkonium chloride, and that's on, on um, basically inhalation of it and from a other factor being exposed to it on your skin at different times, just for my own benefit and the team's benefit, because we're going into these situations every day and we're fogging buildings, and there's a potential if we have a failure of a mask or any piece of PPE for exposure. But then again, if your equipment's right, if your training's right, you're not going to be exposed to it or overly exposed in an unsafe way. Uh, but reading the peer-reviewed research into this just gives me peace of mind and additional inf insight and information to what we're actually doing, the chemicals we're actually using, instead of just taking the manufacturer's guidelines, going that step further to read the research onto it. Is it difficult keeping up to date with the latest in research and indeed the latest in government guidelines just to ensure continued safety and compliance? Um, it's not been a challenge that we've been, you know, we've been able to comply and digest the updates and information that we produced by the government uh, as they were on a learning curve as well. Obviously, their information is constantly updated. And in addition to that, I've obviously been doing my own research and for myself and my team, we've taken on additional training courses by way of the World Health Organization online training platform that has uh, that covers COVID-19 response, waste management, um, infection prevention control for um, even down to people who go into administer as a volunteers for the, to give injections for the vaccine. Mm. The WHO has online training for every area of COVID-19 response from, from your local area volunteer to your national response teams. Okay, so we've undertaken a lot of that training, myself and all the team. We've also looked at peer review papers on masks, on the difference, uh, on the effectiveness of wearing face shields, for example. Um, and we've stuck to the peer reviewed papers on quite a few different, you know, it's an immense amount of learning and research for COVID-19, as this is something we never um, envisaged encountering on this sort of level. And for that, you've got suppliers of equipment, um, 
making claims of what their equipment does and doesn't do, and you've got to filter out what is advertising and what is factually peer-reviewed and correct. And that's what you take home with you and take to work with you um, when trying to apply the best practices and best health and safety for yourself and your team. And, yeah, um, there's been a lot of research, a lot of hours gone into reading and gone into research um, this year. But it has been a learning curve and it's ongoing and it's necessary. You certainly say it's a learning curve and learning even within leadership, as we know, is so incredibly important. And reflecting on the last 12 months, um, what would you say you have learned as a business leader from having to adapt to this whole new reality we find ourselves in? Well, that's a big question. Um, I think what I've learned from the last year is one, to be ready for anything. Um, and and basically, um, instead of reacting to anything, but try and be prepared. I mean, we've all got as leaders, whether it's in um, in any form of industry or even being a scout leader, we we can all we can all see the world is changing. We have to be ready for COVID and any variants thereof. So, um, for example, um, we're we're just coming out of lockdown, but I would say you should, as a business leader or a leader of any type have sanitizer, have the required PPE for yourself, your staff, your clients on site. You, you know, you shouldn't be waiting for the next wave to happen to, to therefore you know, see what the, see what you might need in the future. Let's get prepared now. I mean, the overall cost of uh, PPE for most businesses for having long what they may need next to, next to their profit margin, um, I'd say would be negligible to, to be actually ready um, and, you know, being ready in advance for whatever may be coming is surely got to be the way to be. So I think that's uh, the main thing I'd say taken from leadership is be ready and be equipped for the, you know, to respond to whatever you need with the best possible practices ready in place. Um, yeah, and I think that's what I've taken from last year and going to go forward the next year. Indeed, we have, we've just recently restocked and gone through an equipment check on everything we might possibly need should there be another wave and going forward throughout the summer, looking to the winter. And I'm quite confident that we're all up together should there be an uptake and should there be a change in, um, from the downturn of COVID-19 lately into another wave coming across this country, then we'll be ready as a response team to go back at full pace the second we're asked to. And certainly thanks to those best practices that you've put in place, um, it's avoided any staff illness over the course of the last 12 months. But has that feeling of your staff being made to feel safer helped sort of deal with any impact there might have been on mental health during the crisis as well, just because the whole pandemic has amplified that issue? Well, as far as that goes, I mean, um, as soon as they were available, uh, I obtained privately the COVID-19 antigen test, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, so before they come publicly available, and all this sort of the best practices, um, as in obtaining those tests from my staff team at the earliest possible date they're available for our own safety requirements, that's obviously best practices has helped myself and the staff team. It's made a hell of a difference to how we feel uh, on a personal level, um, on every level in a working environment that we are safe is validation of our of the way we're working is correct and safe to do so uh, which goes for your mental health you know and it, it's just peace of mind and the outlay the expense of going through best practices that it's um it's the way to go 
And just thinking back to the beginning of the pandemic as well, um, we, of course, are very aware and it's well documented the prices of consumables um, have gone up and there were big issues with PPE procurement uh, back at the early days. Is that anything that you sort of found yourselves having to try and navigate around or were you well prepared for that? Um, yes, to a degree. I mean, the price of PPE uh, went up in some areas 200, 300, 400% at times. Um, that is just a cost that. Um, that's expenditure that just had to be met in that situation. So you, you need the PPE and equipment. Also, sourcing it for any price um, become a problem at times during the, the last year. But at times when it has become a problem, we've um, tried to think outside the box a little bit about where we go to for our supplies. And, for example, for uh, um, high-quality P3 half masks, instead of going to your standard uh, PPE suppliers and wholesalers, I, in one instance, went to our local analytical laboratories that um, have standard deal with uh, asbestos, as their technicians all wear the Sunstrom PP3 half mask. And because the laboratory was shut down because of COVID-19, the managing director was very helpful. And basically, he sold me the whole um, the whole laboratory supply of spare half masks. And that was used to complement my additional stocks from the 17 and the local council, their officers, yeah. And, and in other areas, we went to a pesticide manufacturing company for fogging machines. And we went, you know, instead of going to PPE supplies, we went to different areas where they use specialist equipment that perhaps the mainstream hadn't the thought of. And that's how we dealt with it um, uh, very successfully. But yeah, we did have to diversify in how we thought and where we uh, sourced our equipment from. And even though it's been a challenge, of course, diversifying the business, taking on all of this extra work, I can imagine it has had a positive impact in some ways on company revenue, hasn't it? So there has been some upside to all of this somehow. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the, revenue, the revenue part of the last year, um, yes, we, we basically, it's been um, the most profitable year of our trading life. Um, at the same time, the work we put in has been phenomenal. Mm. But all that, you know, all, uh, all being said, the investment in extra training, the investment in extra PPE, the best possible uh, standards and practices all the time. When it comes to the profit margins, let's say we're about 400% up on our yearly profit. Um, so it just shows that does pay off. But what I would say is whatever we've done and however we've excelled and maintained best practices and um, and however hard we worked, However hard we worked, there's nothing compared to the NHS staff who affects this environment every minute of every day at work. And whoever's undertaking their specialist cleaning, basically that's ongoing every minute of every day in a COVID-19 world. So, um, you know, I'd like to you know, focus on that as well, that whatever we do is just, it's just minutes or hours out of a day when they're on there 24 hours a day. That's amazing. It's incredible, certainly, what the NHS has had to contend yeah. with during the uh, the pandemic. And that real support for them, that sense of national spirit that's come about of this. We really need to harness that and take that forward as we emerge from this lockdown as well, don't we? Yes, I think so. And I think the, the other thing to take going forward is I like to think um, even on a, from the very basic level, looking after your neighbours, looking after yourself. And that's whether, um, for example, um, during the covid 
1980 during each wave, my actual neighbours where I live, I've been supplying sanitizers to and you know the, the best possible products to keep themselves safe. It's keeping them safe where I live. It's keeping me safe. And again, as a business leader, keeping your staff safe is keeping your business, you know, with the best possible practices, best equipment, best sanitizers. It's keeping you, keeping your, keeping yourself personally safe in your work environment, keeping your company running and profitable. And then our nation helping to keep poorer companies supplied with vaccine across the world. So we're all safer. I mean, surely that's got to be the way to go and the way for, for us to lead the rest of the world in keeping everyone else safe. It keeps us safe. And that's how I think we should go forward. And incidentally, former Prime Minister Gordon Brown was on the news this week saying just that nobody is safe until everybody is safe. So that's certainly something for us to bear in mind going forward. And just before we do wrap things up um, on the show today, Jim, I do want to think about the future in a bit more detail as well, because we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, but we are by no means out of this yet. And although we can't predict the future, what, in your view, does the next 12 months hold for your business, Total Trauma Cleaning? And what is it that you're really hoping to achieve going from here? Well, the next year is looking very good for the company. Um, going forward, regardless of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and how it is in this country, I mean, we have the benefit of last year's experience under our belts. Um, so I'm very confident that Whatever we're faced with, we're going to go and face um, successfully and safely. I'm looking to take on a couple of additional staff. Um, I'm looking to bring in some well-needed scheduled downtime. And I'm also looking to um, myself and a couple of the team members to add first responder training to our skill set. So, yeah, everything for us as a company looks good going forward. Um, But it's still unclear how it's going to go, I think. And uh, so... I think the way to go forward is to be prepared as best you can for whatever might be coming and hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst at the same time and go forward with both of those in mind. Exactly right. And considering just how uncertain the future is still looking, even though we are seeing some signs of green shoots i actually think it would be wonderful jim to catch up at some point in future and have you back on the program where we can see just what kind of landscape um the future is taking and we can just reassess what total trauma cleaning again has been doing in the uh, the meantime yeah i'll be delighted it's got That'd be great. It'd be a pleasure for me as well, Jim. Um, Once again, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on today's show. And I would also appeal to all of those tuning into today's podcast, even though we are seeing some signs of normality returning, please do continue to be considerate of others as well as yourselves, because it does make such a key difference in preserving lives during this time. I was speaking to Jim Gildy, response team leader and director at Total Trauma Cleaning, and I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Now that outdoor hospitality is returned, I'm going to be off to a local beer garden to raise a glass to outstanding leadership, and hopefully over the coming weeks, we'll keep taking further strides toward normal life. Remember, please do continue to look after yourselves and be considerate of others, because it makes such a difference in preserving lives. We're coming on to better days. Take care now and goodbye.